WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Monday, April 17th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning, sunshine this afternoon. Going to be awfully nice like it was over the weekend. High 70 tonight, overnight, partly cloudy, low 50. And then tomorrow, sun and clouds cooler than it has been, high 57. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 50 and cloudy out in Greenport, Long Island. 54 in Red Bank, New Jersey. And it's 55 and misty here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour and sit in friends in the morning. Had a nice weekend. Was with my youngest 14-year-old in Boston over the weekend. Had a great time there. We had um, We rented bikes. And uh, it's a great city to ride in because they have tons of protected biking lanes, which is fun. You're not it's not like here where you're sort of out in the middle of the street. And um, we were biking and we ended up on Beacon Hill at 67 Irving Street. And I looked up and I said, oh, this is the apartment I lived in when I went to college in Boston. And I started to regale my 14-year-old about my roommates. And of course, he could have cared less. But I had that moment where I said, oh, I had these great roommates. One was Sheila, who was a fantastic cook. And the other one was this woman, Mariana, who became famous in that year because she was on David Letterman's Stupid Human Tricks. Do you remember when David Letterman used to do that? And she could <laughs> she could peel bananas with her feet. That was her skill. And you can imagine the excitement in my apartment when she got a train ticket to on Amtrak, courtesy of the David Letterman show, to go down to New York and p- perform this feat, peeling bananas with her feet. Anyway, so... I was there telling him this story, and again, he's looking at me like I could care less. Let's keep biking. And I think to myself, you know, I haven't talked to either of these people since I graduated college. You know, when we graduated college, there was no social media. So if you didn't stay in touch right away, you lost touch. So you might know where this story is going. So I get back to the hotel room after a day of biking. I said, let me see how Sheila is doing. And I start to Google her, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And, uh, and well, she's dead. <laughs> you know, that's what happens when you get older. You know, I was like, wow. I mean, it's terribly sad because she's not that old, but she died. And I was like, oh, I guess I can't communicate <laughs> with her. Um, and so here was the weird part was, so I start to do this dive to see, you know, now I'm sort of like, what happened? It's a tragic story. She passed away of cancer. And the weird part was, here's where it gets really strange. I had not talked to her since I was 21 years old. And I thought, wow, it would have been nice to communicate and say, hey, I was outside our old apartment when we lived on Beacon Hill. Now, unfortunately, I'll never be able to do that. But when I start to see what she had done with her life up until she passed away a year or two ago, was that she was a well-known, famous, sort of semi-famous costume designer of all these different TV shows here in New York. And even more bizarre than that is that when I looked to see where she lived, because, you know, you can find everything, she lived across the street from me when I lived on the Upper West Side. How weird is that? For like a number of years, she lived across the street from me. And I never ran into her. And now I look her up like, you know, now 30 years later. 
and she's no longer with us. How weird is that? So, but the other woman, her name is Mariana McCormick. Now, when you go to look up uh, somebody with the last name McCormick, who's a female with the first name Mariana, there's apparently a million of them. <laughs> so I could not find her. Hopefully, she's doing better than uh, than Sheila. But how bizarre is that? That I look her up, she's passed away, that's sad. But even weirder is that she lived across the street from me in Manhattan, and I never saw her. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. The long goodbye to Phantom is over. The Rutgers University strike is over for now. How did a three-year-old fall out of a Chelsea building? There's one less candidate in the race for the White House today. One local mall says kids are too rowdy, so there's new rules. All right, let's get into it at 5.05. This is some of the news that was breaking overnight. U.S. officials confirming that U.S. forces conducting a raid against ISIS militants in Syria. This was uh, while we were all sleeping. Three people killed in the operation. They have not been identified. The res- uh, They say the raid resulted in the probable death of a senior ISIS Syria leader and operational planner who was responsible for planning terror attacks in the Middle East, Europe, and U.S. They haven't told us who that is. Uh, The good news is there were no U.S. casualties, but again, they say they've taken out this ISIS Syria leader, so that is the good part of the news. All right, let's bring it back home at 5.06. A three-year-old girl. In the hospital after falling from the sixth floor window of a Manhattan apartment building Sunday. Let's find out the latest on this live now from WABC's Alex Barnard. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Gnome. And yes, that's right. It happened shortly after 1130 Saturday morning at a NYCHA complex at 420 West 26th Street in the Chelsea neighborhood. I saw something falling. I didn't at first know it was a person. That's Felix Maldonado, a neighbor who spoke to ABC7. Paramedics began attending to the little girl as soon as they arrived. It's believed an AC unit in a window directly below her may have broken her fall. She was unconscious at first. The minute I saw her moving, I noticed she was conscious. I knew she was good. She wasn't responsive, but she was moving. She started convulsing. She had uh, some bruising on her right side. The child, who does not live in the apartment, fell roughly six feet, 60 feet. Excuse me. Witnesses saw a woman who lives in that apartment run downstairs after the little girl moments after the incident. She was just really confused as to what might have happened. You know, emotions run. That woman's young kids were also in the apartment, but no one else was hurt. Her mother was babysitting all the children. Neighbors say someone had removed the child safety guards from her bedroom window, which is against city regulations. Crews tried reinstalling child safety bars later, but they initially had the wrong size. NYCHA released a statement Sunday saying that they are investigating the incident. So uh, charges against, was the mother in the apartment? I'm unclear. Was the mother or was somebody else in the apartment when the child fell out? It seemed, so this was not the little girl's apartment that uh, that she fell out of. This was it seems to be like a friend or neighbor in the building potentially, uh, and the the resident who lives there might have been like her her mother or the so the kids' grandmothers. Okay, so, and they don't know why the child guards weren't up. 
No, no word on that yet. No word on any press on, on any charges pressed. Uh, nothing like that so far. All right, WABC's Alex Barnett. Thank you very much. WABC News Time five oh nine. Let's go out to Queens. Fire crews still working to. I shouldn't say that Queens. I'm sorry, Putnam County. These are uh, brush fires. Right, they were pretty intense over the last couple of days. The weather cooled a bit. That helped, but there were some dust ups. Putnam County, uh, Rockland County over the weekend. Uh, West Milford fire crews working to fully contain brush fire Putnam County over the weekend. The Putnam County executive uh, Kevin Burns saying that the brush fire there concentrated in a forest. He said there were concerns about the preservation of personal property and homes but uh, everything seems to be okay. Most of these fires, if they're not out, they're under control. It's a brush fire so it's predominantly a forest. Um, There was a concern about uh, obviously, the protection and preservation of personal property and homes. Yes. Yeah, so over the weekend, uh, firefighters were utilizing helicopters to dump water on some of these brush fires. Uh, some of them still flaming up, but uh, no so far. No concern that it's going to take out any houses in these communities and the cooler weather over the weekend, some of the rain, that obviously helped that. Uh, while we're speaking of fires, one person dead after a house fire in Queens. Fire broke out. This was a two-story private house, 36th Avenue in Bayside Sunday morning. Dramatic video showing the flames engulfing the home as firefighters attacked it from more than a, hun- uh, a bunch of angles. More than 100 firefighters came out to battle this inferno. When you go inside, obviously it's lights out. Conditions when you get a heavy fire condition like that, it's a lot of thick black smoke. You're going in and you really can't see anything. Then you get, you know, you have a cluttered condition where you're going in, you're searching and you're bouncing into things. You got, you know, it's hard to uh, to maneuver and, and search. So it kind of delays the search, you know? Yeah, so crews in the FDNY fire marshal's office spent most of the day trying to control the fire, going through the remains of the home. Family members, neighbors uh, say they're heartbroken to know that this 82 year old who lived in the house did not make it out alive. My husband actually woke me up he was in the garage and he heard the crack he the he um, saw the lights flicker and then he heard the crackling noise so he came out and he saw and he started yelling fine he went in uh, on the side and he threw a brick into his uh, window yeah anything to try to get to this 82 uh, 82 year old there unfortunately they were unable to parts of two homes that surrounded the property were also melted by heavy flames no word yet what ignited that blaze 512 let's go out to to New Jersey students at Rutgers University heading back to the classroom today after the college and the union reaching a deal over the weekend. Faculty members at Rutgers hadn't had a contract in nearly a year, but now after over 100 bargaining sessions, they finally do. We worked really hard. We had many, many issues, uh, critically important issues still on the table when the strike began and we worked really hard to get the win that our members needed and that they struck for. Union posting an update overnight suspending the strike after leaders touted frameworks for the new contract. We worked really hard. We The uh, current agreement would increase salaries across the board for full-time faculty and counselors by at least 14 percent by July 1st of 2025. It would also include important gains for Rutgers adjunct professors who had been an area of the contract that the two sides had battled over for, for months. So apparently both sides happy with this deal. The good news here, students who in most cases were out of class for most of last week will be back in class this morning. 513, let's stay in New Jersey. Governor Murphy bringing together 
a coalition of mayors in favor of reforming New Jersey's liquor license laws. Murphy says the bipartisan coalition includes 90 members who represent different areas, some of whom took part in a video campaign regarding the issue. We need liquor license reform because we need access to it. Equity and access are at the key here. Oh, I do know a lot of restaurant owners uh, in this position that they would love to have a liquor license, but they just can't get one. Yeah, so the governor's been vocal about changing liquor license laws since his State of the State address earlier this year. Changes would include gradually phasing out current population caps for licensing and easing restrictions for breweries. It's tough to start a brewery in New Jersey. Every time a new restaurant opens, the first question that gets put out there is, are they going to have liquor? And, you know, it's not the town saying no, it's the antiquated liquor license law. Yeah, so apparently they're working closer to making a deal on this. Some of it has been on, on the part of the advocates. People are pushing for this bill to go through. Governor Murphy saying all sides are actually meeting now and they may come up with some sort of compromise. 514, Republican Long Island Congressman George Santos plans to announce his campaign for re-election today despite calls for his resignation. Santos filing his statement of candidacy paperwork with the Federal Election Commission, but he is not officially announced his plans to run again for his House seat in the 3rd Congressional District, which covers parts of Queens and Nassau County on Long Island. Uh, people out there, of course, some of them say they're happy to hear he's running again. Others say not so much. All i got to say is he's been exposed, and it's a horrible thing that he's still in office. He should be gone quicker than a blink of an eye. I think he'll have some shame and some dignity and just resign. If he was a Democrat, you wouldn't hear much about it. Fantos uh, facing numerous calls for his resignation, including from some Republicans for fabricating parts of his professional, personal and educational background. All right, 515, first check of sports on this early Monday morning. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and say good morning, Justin Ellis. Well, good morning, Noam Olayden. Two wins on the diamond to get uh, to get your, or to get to, I should say. My God. So let's start with the Yankees. It's Monday. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Spin it out. The Yankees have salvaged the finale of their four-game set against the visiting Minnesota Twins with a 2 nothing shutout win, securing a series split. Ace Garrett Cole continued his early season brilliance on the bump, pitching a two-hit complete game. Uh, shutout with 10 strikeouts over a mere 107 pitches. DJ LeMay, who took care of the rest at the dish for New York, knocking in both Yankee runs, including this short port shot to right to put the Bombers up 2 to nothing in the sixth. LeMay, it's a high fly to right. Back goes Kepler on the track. He's at the wall, and it is gone. DJ hoisted it over the right field wall over the Kepler leap. David John makes long gone. He homers to right, and the Yankees take a 2 nothing lead. That call courtesy of WFAN. After an update today, the Yankees will welcome in the Angels for a three-game set beginning tomorrow night at the stadium. Now for the Mets, who needed extras in Oakland to best the A's by a score of 4-3. to three. Down a run in the ninth, it was the clutch gene of Pete Alonso that came through to nod things up at three with his league-leading eighth homer of the year. He gets one of the air to deep center field. Ruiz watches it go, and this game is tied. A monstrous home run from Pete Alonso. Alonso's eighth of the year. He hit it out of sight to center field, and it's 3-3 in the ninth. 
That call courtesy of SNY. Eduardo Escobar scored the go-ahead run in the 10th on a wild pitch by Sam Mole. And with the win, the Orange and Blue secured their first series sweep of the year. We'll see if they can stay hot starting tonight in Los Angeles, where they're set to open up a three-game set with the Dodgers. First pitch is scheduled for 10-10 p.m. Eastern Time with David Peterson set to take the hill against L.A.'s Dustin May. And looking ahead to action tonight on the Hardwood Game 2 of the Eastern Conference. First-round playoff matchup between your Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia 76ers. Tip-off is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time in Philadelphia with the Sixers currently holding a 1-0 series lead. And on the ice, the Islanders open up their first-round Stanley Cup playoff matchup in Carolina against the one-seed Hurricanes. Here with sports on WABC, I'm Justin Ellis. We're just getting started on this Monday morning. We'll tell you about two candidates for the White House, one who says he's in, one who officially says he is out. The battle over the abortion pill gets hotter over the weekend. We'll have some lawmakers weighing in on that. And a cross-shaped pier down the Jersey Shore still generating a lot of uh, controversy, but it officially opened this weekend. We'll give you the latest details on that. But first, a 520, a check of Wall Street. Here's Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Bank earnings season underway. Bank of America reports tomorrow up 6% over the past week. Larger banks reporting strong earnings last week. Regional banks still struggling. M&T Bank Corp down nearly 20% this year. Half those losses over the past month. M&T reports today. Citizens Financial Group reports Wednesday down 26% so far this year. Netflix expects to boost its bottom line 19% this year, 25% next year. Netflix stock up nearly 15% this year. Tesla reports quarterly results Wednesday as well. Tesla shares up 71%. Investors waiting to see how price cuts affect Tesla's full-year guidance. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 521, President Biden back at the White House after his, was it a four or five day visit to Ireland on his way back? Of course, the reporters asking about the trip itself, but all of them want to know, is it official? Is he in the race for the White House? He didn't say much. I mean, it sure looks like he's running again. I told you my plan is to run again. There he was on Air Force One, Biden telling reporters that the announcement will come relatively soon and that his plan was to run again. He says for months his plan was to run for re-election, but he never provided a concrete date for that announcement. Apparently, it might just be weeks away. And on the Republican side, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says now he's not going to run for the White House 2024. Many have speculated he would challenge his old boss, former President Trump, for the Republican nomination. On Friday, Pompeo put an end to the rumors, telling Fox News he's not going to join the race in 2024 after he came to the conclusion this wasn't the right time to run. I'm Brian Shook. 522, now let's go out to Long Island. The Suffolk County District Attorney joining with local town supervisors to tackle crimes that they say impact the quality of life. The quality of life crimes are plaguing the country and is no different in Suffolk County. 
DA uh, Ray Tierney there citing an uptick in catalytic converter thefts along with a rise in harassment and thefts at local businesses. Tierney and his office teaming up with local towns and local enforcement agencies to create what they call a coalition aimed at investigating criminal and administrative cases. I guess they're all going to work together now. All of these things negatively impact our communities all across Suffolk County. And these crimes are a disruption of everyday life hard-working Yeah, that Cadillac converter thing, it's huge. I mean, I feel like everybody knows someone that's had one of those stolen from their car on the street. Uh, Tierney also directing members of his office to sit in on public safety meetings around the community to better understand concerns and what they can do to alleviate some of those issues. Let's go down to Alabama. Violent weekend there. Police in Alabama say four people dead, more than two dozen injured after an overnight mass shooting at a sweet 16 birthday party. 28 individuals injured during the course of the incident. Some of those injuries are critical. They are in critical condition, and that's why it's so important. We absolutely need everyone to continue to pray. Happened at a dance studio in the small town of Dadeville. Reports say the group of those injured includes more than a dozen teenagers. There's still no official word about the status of the gunmen. 524, let's stay in Georgia. An investigation into alleged efforts to overturn Georgia's results in the 2020 presidential election is reportedly near completion. Georgia's Republican governor, Brian Kemp, says people can peacefully protest if former President Trump is indicted. And he's not going to allow anybody to get out of line. He saw what happened in here in New York when the president was arrested it was peaceful he wants the same thing to happen in georgia for those in favor of the president and those against we're going to help people peacefully protest but we're also not going to allow people to get out of line and i think the people in our state know that and anybody that's coming from out of our state that doesn't realize that they are in for a rude awakening kemp also calling on his fellow republicans to focus on what he says are current issues and not whether investigations are politically motivated. He says he can't control what investigators are doing, but he can focus on trying to fulfill campaign promises such as property tax release and teacher pay raises. And he says that's what he's going to talk about. He doesn't want to talk about Donald Trump. You can have whatever opinion you want, whether these investigations or grand jury um, things that have been going on are politically motivated or not or you know why have they taken so long in some instances you know i can't control um you know what the judicial branch is doing or what a local prosecutor is doing in many ways 525 the battle over the abortion pill continues louisiana senator dr bill cassidy says a texas judge's ruling on an abortion pill is being misconstrued cassidy says the basis of the April 7th decision to remove FDA approval for this drug had to do with the drug's accelerated path to approval. Here he explains. I think what is important is that we have a political process by which we resolve these issues. That particular ruling seems to be going through, it was on a process-oriented thing. Among the reasons that they ruled that way, I'm told, is that the FDA did not follow correctly the Administrative Procedures Act. On the Democratic side, you had Senator Amy Klobuchar, who might be running for the White House if Biden decides not to says judges with no medical background should not be making rulings on medication she was on abc this week yesterday uh you've got it safe in 60 countries it's used in over half of the abortions one judge from amarillo texas two judges on the fifth circuit all of them trump appointed should not be making a decision 
for women across the country. Klobuchar says there's a reason that Congress gave the FDA the power to make these decisions about safety. She also criticized Republicans who are doubling down by trying to criminalize women and doctors. That's what she says. What is it going to be next? Is that judge going to not like birth control pills? Are we going to have a judge that doesn't like Lipitor? Yeah, so this battle over the abortion pill continues. we got a whole lot more to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour and sit in friends in the morning. A cross-shaped pier down the Jersey Shore finally opened this weekend. We'll have reaction to that. Phantom of the Opera closes after 35 years and over 14 or nearly 14,000 performances. We'll hear from people who worked on that show from day one till the final day, which seems like a long time to have a job like that, in opposition to a casino opening right there in Times Square where all the Broadway theaters are, is growing by the day. We'll get into that controversy as well. But first, we'll do this at 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yeah, that's me. It is Monday, Friday. Monday, Friday. Oh, my God. It really is Monday. It is Monday, April 17th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning. Sunshine this afternoon. High 70. Tonight and overnight, partly cloudy, low 50. And then Tuesday, sun and clouds, high 57. If you are walking out the door with us right now, it is 50. In cloudy out in Greenport, Long Island, 54 in Red Bank, and it is 55 in Misty right here in Midtown. Lots to get to as we work our way up to 6 o'clock, sit in friends in the morning. We'll start with this House Judiciary Committee is holding a hearing here in the city today called Victims of Violent Crime. The field hearing is set for 9 a.m. at the Federal Building in Lower Manhattan before it begins. Mayor Adams, Congressman Jerry Nadler will hold a press conference about gun violence. They're calling this hearing a stunt. The hearing is spearheaded by House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, who's from Ohio. He's focusing on what he calls the pro-crime anti-victim policies of Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. Now, Bragg just charged, of course, former President Trump, a close ally of Jordan's, with 34 felony counts of falsifying business records. So that's why Democrats are calling this a slap in the face to D.A. Bragg and a stunt hearing. But the witnesses scheduled to testify include advocates of victims' rights. Um, Jose Alba, you remember the bodega worker who was charged with murder and the killing that was later ruled self-defense? Those charges were dropped. He will testify today. The interesting part of this story, and there's many of them, and we will cover this hearing as it takes place later this morning downtown at 9 a.m., the murder rate per capita in Ohio's largest city of Columbus, where Jordan is from, is three times as high compared to New York City. So maybe he should be uh, checking out the uh, city of Columbus while he checks out the city of New York. WABC News Time 534 getting all kinds of messages over the weekend from the New York Lottery. A single ticket holder 
in Queens is a multimillionaire after a ticket matched all six numbers that were drawn in the Mega Millions drawing over the weekend. The prize worth $476 million, which is the 13th largest jackpot in the history of the games. It never seems to happen here, right? It's always like in Ohio or Tennessee. But no, the ticket was drawn in Queens. Um, the winning ticket was sold at Liberty Beer and Convenience in Ozone Park. And as you might guess, when people heard this, they started lining up outside that place, hoping that they might get a winning ticket for a future lottery. The lightning can strike twice at the same place, right? So let's go play. I'm playing power, yes. We play here all the time. Yeah, these places always do really well after they sell a winning ticket. The winner has not come forward, but they never do anymore, right? Have you noticed that? It used to be back in the day, we would meet these winners as they were become instant millionaires, and it was some guy who, like, cut grass on a golf course who would then tell us that he's going to continue to cut grass on the golf course even though he had taken home a $500 million jackpot. Uh, now what people do is they don't want anybody to know who they are, and I guess who can blame them. So they'll send in, they'll create some sort of fund or a legal, they'll get lawyers to show up, and they won't identify who they are. They'll just be these lawyers who are working on behalf of their client, an anonymous one. Because what happens, of course, is when people find out that their neighbor or somebody they know or maybe don't know at all has $500 million, they start writing to them and asking them for cash. So I guess uh, now that's not happening as often because these people don't come forward and tell us who they are. 535, let's go down to the Jersey Shore. A cross-shaped pier, like a pier out into the ocean, that generated some controversy, debuted in Ocean Grove over the weekend. It is beautiful, by the way. Since uh, its destruction during Superstorm Sandy back in 2012, the Ocean Grove Pier has been due for remodeling, but it just took a while because they weren't getting federal funds. They had to go for private funds. When it was said and done, this pier is in the shape of a cross. And the people who built it, the Ocean Grove Camping Associations, say uh, they're okay with that, even though some people in the communities surrounding there are not okay with They say that a religious symbol like a cross should not be paid for by public officials, and they didn't want it to happen. But it did happen, and, and like I said, it looks pretty nice. You don't have to say a prayer. You don't have to belong to a church. You don't have to pay any money. Just go out there. We started out planning to just rebuild what we had before, a straight outline. And as we were going through the process, we're like, how can we get more views? How can we get more angles? How can we have places where we can put instrumentation for wave height and electrical strikes? Yeah, so it's not really clear if this was done on purpose. They say that the shape had more to do with the fact of that you'd have better viewing spots. You could fish off the pier better. Uh, people who were checking it out in Ocean Grove over the weekend as it opened said, yeah, it's really nice. I'm fine with, with, uh, with what's out there. Uh, I understand others may have a difference of opinion, but... That's the way life is, right? Yeah, so Ocean Grove, if you're not familiar, is considered a religious area by many. Its public beaches are actually closed on Sunday mornings so town residents can go to church. 537 now, traffic, transit, and weather on the 7s. Here's Joe Nolan. I remember when I was a kid, they used to have big giant chains across the gates to Ocean Grove on Sundays. You couldn't... uh 
you know, you couldn't get in there, you couldn't drive a car in there. So, you know, it's been a very religious community for a very long time. And booze free, right? I think it's... Yeah, it used to be. I don't know if it still is, but I know it it definitely used to be. That was for sure. And tell me if I'm right about this. I remember as a kid driving through there and people were intense. Is that... Am I crazy? Yeah, there was something. Yeah. You know, I never really went in there because it was one of those places you were like, it had, you know, it was, it was different from everywhere else. And, uh... You know, I was just fine in Avon. You know, I didn't have to go to Ocean Grove. <laughs> it's not easy being an NYPD cop. I'm stating the obvious, but uh, interesting to hear from some of the officers who were involved in the fatal shooting of a 78-year-old man at his Brooklyn apartment on Thursday. And, you know, the minute these officers never want to fire their guns, and thankfully most of them never do during their careers, but... um the officers involved in this fatal shooting, you know, beside themselves uh, about the fact that they had to open fire. They, they, they were very uh, upset and they were a little rattled that they were put in that kind of situation, a life and death situation in a three foot space. Yeah, officers were responding to a burglary report at a Bed-Stuy building when the 78 year old man opened his front door holding a gun. The man allegedly pointed the gun at officers and advanced in this narrow hallway, prompting officers to shoot him several times. They had to make that decision. And, and uh, they were very concerned and they were sad. And they're, they're human beings. Yeah, I mean, talk to anybody, and I know a fair amount of them, retired NYPD cops, and they'll tell you how thankful they are. They never had to use their guns. So for these officers who did, it's tragic for them. One thing that I would say, if you speak to some of these police officers that fired their weapons, they're destroyed. I mean, people think they're going home and having a party. They're destroyed, and that destroyed lives with them for a long, long period of time. And by the way, even if they did the right thing, right? 541. Last night on Broadway, big night, Sunday night, the curtain went down. The chandelier came down on Phantom of the Opera, said goodbye to Broadway. 35 years. I mean, what a run. Nearly 14,000 performances. Sunday was the finale of Broadway's longest-running production. This fan was there last night. She had a ticket to the final show. She'd seen Phantom 73 times. 73 times. That's a a lot of times to see anything. It's just kind of the perfect combination of music, scenery, story. It just speaks so much to kind of anybody who wants to be loved. I just, I I don't have words for how wonderful this show is and how sad it makes me that it's closing. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything in my life that I've done that many times like that, like in terms of entertainment, 73 times, you know, maybe I've watched reruns of favorite TV shows, but 73 times, that's a lot. The show's made over a billion dollars. Over the weekend, they were celebrating Andrew Lloyd Webber. Of course, it is his show. He was given a key to the city by Mayor Adams. Broadway is is the reason that so many people come to New York and I felt very, very much a part of the community even though I'm, I'm British. It's a great deal to me and I hope that Broadway continues to thrive and that new shows come in. Yeah, uh, so, uh, you know, it's one of the last of those just gigantic musicals. There's really no, sort of nothing like it on Broadway right now. But there were a ton of people who were there since day one, all 35 years. Can you imagine? So uh, in this case, there, here's a guy who was a cleaner. He was a porter at the show. He cleaned the theater after theatergoers went. He was there the entire run, all 35 years. Hello, I'm Emilio Benoit. I've been working in this theater, Majestic Theater on Broadway, 
for 38 years. Oh, 38. I'm the longest Jeez. employee in this theater. I'm the head porter in this theater. I'm in charge of the cleaning of this theater. Doing a lot of work here to keep the theater in perfect condition for the perform. Sadly, when I find out Phantom is closing, I feel a little depressed, but now I'm happy because I feel I was the only one of many performers, actor, worker, working for a long time here on Broadway. Now, in his case, he'll still have a job because another show will move into this theater. This woman was the Phantom uh, associate lighting designer for the entire run of the show. By the way, all these people talking to New York One. My name is Vivian Leone. I'm the associate lighting designer. I have been here for 35 years. It is uh, incredibly sad to lose this amazing experience, but I am also incredibly proud and grateful to have been part of it. All right, so I get those two people. The guy that's the cleaner who works in the theater, that's just his job. He's done it for 38 years. The Phantom lighting designer, she's done it for the entire run. I sort of get that. But this is the one I don't get at all. This woman has been in the Phantom of the Opera pit in the orchestra for all 35 years. So that means six days a week. Uh, what is there? How many shows? There's two, uh, seven, nine, like 11 shows a week, whatever it is. She played the exact same music for 35 years, and somehow she did not go out of her mind, and she's actually even sad that the show's over. My name is Atsuko Sato. I play bassoon in the orchestra pit for the last 35 years. I'm an original member. I'm going to miss my phantom family, my phantom sisters from a pit. That's a sad part. Um, and... Uh, Come to the end, well, 35 years is probably a good idea to move on I mean, to something else. Yeah, right. I, mean, I don't know how you don't go out of your mind playing the same music uh, six nights a week. You got two shows on Saturday, two on Sunday, two on Wednesday. All right. 545 now. Let's move over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Allen. Thank you, Gnome Lady. Two wins on the diamond to get to, so let's start with the Yankees who salvaged the finale of their four-game set against the visiting Minnesota Twins with a 2 to nothing shutout win, securing a series split. Ace Garrett Cole continued his early season brilliance on the bump, pitching a two-hit complete game shutout with 10 strikeouts over a mere 107 pitches. DJ LeMayu took care of the rest at the dish for New York, knocking in both Yankee runs, including this short port shot to right that put the Bombers up 2 to nothing in the sixth. LeMayu is a high fly to right. Back goes Kepler on the track. He's at the wall, and it is gone. DJ hoisted it over the right field wall over the Kepler leap. David John makes long gone. He homers to right, and the Yankees take a 2-0 lead. That call courtesy of WFAN after an off day today. The Yankees will welcome in the Angels for a three-game set beginning tomorrow night at the stadium. Now for the Mets who needed extras in Oakland to best the A's by a score of 4-3. to three. Down a run in the ninth. It was the clutch gene of Pete Alonso that came through to knock things up at three with his league-leading eighth homer of the year. And Pete gets one in the air to deep center field. Ruiz watches it go, and this game is tied. A monstrous home run from Pete Alonso. Alonzo's eighth of the year. He hit it out of sight to center field, and it's 3-3 in the ninth. 
That call courtesy of SNY. Eduardo Escobar scored the go-ahead run in the 10th on a wild pitch by Sam Mole. And with the win, the Orange and Blue secured their first series sweep of the year. They'll see if they can stay hot starting tonight in Los Angeles, where they're set to open up a three-game set with the Dodgers. First pitch is scheduled for 10-10 p.m. Eastern time with David Peterson set to take the hill against L.A.'s Dustin May. And looking ahead to action tonight here locally on the Hardwood. Game 2 of the Eastern Conference first-round playoff matchup between your Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia 76ers. Tip-off is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. Eastern time in Philadelphia with the Sixers currently holding a 1-0 series lead. And on the ice, the Islanders open up their first-round Stanley Cup playoff matchup in Carolina against the one-seed Hurricanes. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Alec. All right, let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the day. This one happening overnight. U.S. officials confirming that U.S. forces conducted a raid against ISIS militants in Syria. Three people killed in the operation. They have not been identified, but what we've been told is that the um, the raid resulted in the probable death of a senior ISIS Syria leader and operational planner who was responsible for planning terror attacks in the Mideast, Europe, U.S. Uh, the Central Command spokesman also telling us that there were no U.S. casualties, uh, casualties so we like that. And then back here in New York, uh, one of the bigger stories of yesterday, three-year-old child in critical condition after falling out of an apartment window in Chelsea happened about noon at the NYCHA Chelsea houses, West 26th Street. Felix Maldonado was there. He tried to help this little girl out. I saw something falling. I didn't at first know it was a person. She was unconscious at first. The minute I saw her moving, I noticed she was conscious. I knew she was good. She wasn't responsive. But she was moving. She started convulsing. Paramedics are racing to the scene. She landed in a grassy area, may have hit an AC unit and a window on the way down that may have actually broken her fall. Neighbors say the woman who lives in the sixth floor apartment where this girl fell out of rushed downstairs moments after the child fell out. It's not her kid, so we don't really know what's going on here, but there was no um, child guards in the window. We know that much. So far, nobody charged. Uh, this was the same guy watching this all play out. She was just really confused as to what might have happened, you know, emotions run. Of course, we're thinking about that child, hoping she recovers. Again, so far, no uh, charges from the NYPD. And then we had these uh, brush fires that were the big story last week. For the most part, they are out or contained. Uh, We had some breakout in Rockland County in Putnam County over the weekend. Putnam County Executive Kevin Burns saying that the brush fire there was concentrated in a forest. Uh, No homes were uh, in the path of it. It's a brush fire, so it's predominantly uh, forced. Um, there was a concern about, uh, obviously, the protection and preservation of personal property and homes. Yeah, so the good news here is the weather over the weekend helped with firefighters battle these uh, forest fires in about six or seven different areas across New York and New Jersey. And uh, students at Rutgers University, they'll be back in class today. The college, the union, reaching a deal over the weekend. Faculty members had not had a contract for nearly a year. We worked really hard. We had many, many issues, uh, critically important issues, still on the table when the strike began. And we worked really hard to get the win that our members needed and that they struck for. Yeah, so the current agreement would increase salaries across the board for full-time faculty and counselors by at least 14%, and that would begin July 1st. So good news there is that uh, everybody will be back in class today. A new poll 
shows many New Yorkers planning to pack their bags for elsewhere. A lot already have. The pollster Don Levy, who's with Siena College Survey, says the poll shows 27% plan to leave the state over the next five years. Now that sentiment, that doesn't mean they're packing their bags, but it's certainly something that um, that policymakers need to take a look at because that level of exodus would have a, a dramatic effect on the economic vitality of the state. Yeah, well, no doubt about that. The new poll shows 67% say the state is no longer affordable. Uh, half of respondents say New York is um, fair or poor when it comes to safety. The majority of the people who respond to this, to this poll say they're pleased with New York when it comes to quality of education, health care, and options for activities, but they're leaving anyway. So you add together affordability, safety, uh, long-term ability to retire, and a political system that they don't appreciate detract from New Yorkers' sense of the quality of life here. The um, You'll remember last week they picked the rat czar. Mayor Adams picked the rat czar here in the city. It was a woman who works for the DOE, Department of Education, a pest control expert from New Jersey, saying there's no way New York City is going to win the war against rats. Ernie Ski of Freehold has spent 27 years in the pest control business, and he says the rats are going to win no matter what the city tries to do to eradicate them, especially putting garbage out at night. He says that's the big problem. Putting garbage out at 8 o'clock at night is pretty much prime time. Peak feeding hours are at dusk and just before dawn. He says rats' teeth are like steel and iron. They can chew through almost anything. And female rats usually give birth to about five babies every three weeks. He says rats do hate bleach. So he's suggesting to the news are that they spray everything with bleach. The outside cans, outside the garbage bags, and that might help win the war. But I have to be in agreement with him. Nobody's been able to figure this out. They're not going to win the war. It's just part of life of living in New York City. Opposition to New York City's push to put a casino in Times Square growing by the day. The Broadway League, one of 14 local groups that are part of a no to Times Square casino coalition now. We are not opposed to a casino in the city of New York or downstate, as they call it. We just don't believe the right location is Times Square. That's the Broadway League president, Charlotte St. Martin. She says Times Square, one of the most vibrant areas in the country, and they don't want to see the progress jeopardized by a casino. The last thing we need is more congestion in Times Square. It is considered the busiest urban location in the Western Hemisphere. It does seem like a lot already is going on in Times Square, that maybe a casino is not a great idea. Uh, different kinds of businesses, restaurants, hotels, attractions, and, of course, 41 glorious Broadway theaters. Yeah, well, not clear whether they'll get in the way of this plan to build a casino in Times Square, but they're letting their voices be heard. Out to New Jersey. New Jersey's second largest mall will soon require adult chaperones for anyone younger than 18 on Friday and Saturday nights. It's the Garden State Plaza in Paramus, 300 stores. They announced this new parental guidance policy because they say teenagers got a little too rowdy, a little too raucous in places like the food court over the weekend. They're childish. They're too childish. There's no adults around. Their parents aren't around, so they just let free. Make a lot of road noise, stuff like that. So. We find, like, Saturday nights it's like very overwhelming, like very intimidating. There's just a lot of groups of kids. Yeah, so this policy takes effect on April 28th, replies to minors visiting the mall after 5 o'clock on those two nights of the week. So if you're caught there without your parents uh, after 5 o'clock 
on Friday or Saturday night, you'll immediately be put into a waiting zone where parents will be told they have to come pick you up. So uh, most people say they're actually kind of on board with this. A lot of very responsible teenagers that shouldn't be evaluated based on their age. That's a tall order because it's also not realistic and probably unenforceable. Well, uh, they say they're going to do it because they say that shoppers have uh, complained, so have store owners. They say it's just a little too out of hand. Here's a teenager who says, I finally got to the age where my parents let me walk around the mall by myself, and now they're telling me I'm not going to be able to do that anymore on Friday and Saturday night. I don't really like it so much. I feel like before I reached a certain age, I was too like nervous to go to the mall alone. So now being at an age where me and my friends want to, I feel like there's no need. Yeah. For a parent. Yeah, well, and the last thing you want to do is walk around with your parents when you're like 14 years old. We're about a minute away from the Monday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Let's find out what's happening on the big show from Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Noam Layden. Your Monday installment of Sid and Friends in the Morning, a brand new week. Bottom of each hour, you don't want to miss the 77 WABC Clip of the Day, the Cats Roundtable with John Katz and Matisse. 940 this morning, your Monday edition of the Peerless Spoilers. Sid's Take Trivia Game in the way of guests. 705 kicking things off. Curtis Sliwa here in studio. 740 this morning, Rich Lowry. 805 this morning, Nicole Maliotakis. 825, we'll do some nuggets with Noam Layden. 840 this morning, Scott Zolak. And wrapping things up at 925, Dan Mason. A big Monday program for you, Noam. We're ready to go. Sounds like it. We will do this all over again tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. Hope to see you there, but don't go anywhere now. Yeah, Sid and friends in the morning, they are up next.